Welcome to the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast. I'm your host, registered dietitian and weight loss BFF, Lauren Hubert. Growing up as a woman, I was told that you can't care about your looks, wear whatever you want, and be successful. But honey, let me give it to you real. You can have it all. I believe women can embody strength, sexuality, and power all at the same time. And in fact, I know the harder you feel, the more successful you will be. Each week, we are changing the narrative that women can be hot and successful at the same damn time and do it in a healthy way. Fit babes, where you at? Welcome back to another episode of the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast. Today, we are always in for a treat, but I've been so excited to share this episode with you guys. In fact, after I recorded it, I actually shared what we talked about with a few of my clients because I was just so excited about bringing the conversation of gut health into the conversation about weight loss, calorie tracking, improving the quality of food that you eat. And that is what me and Megan dive into today. So we are joined by Dr. Megan Rossi, AKA the gut health doctor. She is considered one of the most influential gut health specialists internationally. She's a practicing dietitian and nutritionist for the last decade and has an award-winning PhD in gut health. We love a hot, healthy, and successful woman over here. Um, Dr. Rossi is passionate about empowering others to take control of their health and happiness from the inside out. On today's episode, because we're talking about not just the health, but the happiness of how you look and feel, Dr. Rossi and I really dive into all things beyond calorie tracking, beyond just focusing on calories. While calorie deficit is required for weight loss, what I always preach on here to you guys that Megan explains so perfectly is what you eat impacts how you feel and impacts how your body functions. And especially on today's episode, you guys are going to learn so much more about your gut, how to maintain its health, why your gut health is so important for how your body moves and functions and lives and what you can start doing today to improve the quality of your diet. Megan is also the author of three books, one of which we talk about on today's show. And most importantly, she has created and developed a prebiotic yogurt. She is such a freaking entrepreneur. I love boss babe women out there crushing it and changing the narrative of the food industry and changing the narrative of the business empires that we can totally have as boss babe woman. But most importantly, I'm so pumped for today's show on all things nutrition for gut health for you guys. I really hope you enjoy. And they always like to say, if you enjoy the TSN podcast, do not be bashful. I actually love to know that you guys are enjoying episodes. I get so many DMs. So please let me know if you enjoy shows, leave a rating and review if you haven't already. And most importantly, share with friends. Hello, sexy fit babes. Welcome back to another episode of the TSM podcast. Today, you are in for a treat and then some. We are here with Dr. Megan Rossi, guys. She is not only a dietitian, but she is a gut health doctor, known as the gut health doctor, in fact. Um, and I'm just so pumped to have you on the show, girlfriend. Likewise. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yes. So I kind of want to just jump right into everything because I, I mean, I love your social media, guys. You got to go check her out. Um, we'll leave all her handles and everything in the show notes. But can you tell us a little bit about your background, your story, kind of what got you into the field of dietetics and being the gut health doctor and also what you do now? Yeah. So, I mean, gut health certainly wasn't the most sexy of topics when I started <laughs> in the era over a decade ago. But I mean, if we rewind, you know, pre that, I've always been so into food and my mom was a science teacher. 
So I think nutrition and dietetics was just, you know, always in my destiny. And I actually grew up on a farm and then come from this Italian family. So food oh was God. very much at like the center of all our occasions. So I'm a huge foodie through and through. Um, I'm sure you are too, right? Most dietitians are. Oh yeah. Majorly. I mean, you're saying Italian and farm and I'm like, oh my God, can I go visit your family right now? It sounds epic. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I mean, how did I get in London? It was, you know, it's a small little country town. Amazing. So I started studying nutrition and dietetics and then, you know, loved that, but I was in my final year and, um, and I sadly lost my grandma to bowel cancer and my grandma had a huge part of my upbringing. So it really, it really was tough for me. And I, I just essentially hated the gut for putting her through, you know, the chemo, the surgery, and then obviously later taking her life. So I guess my first conscious encounter with gut wasn't a positive one. But then I started working as a dietitian in the hospital setting, as well as with elite athletes. So I was very fortunate to be the nutritionist for the Australian Olympic synchronized swimming team. Oh, wow. And found that the girls with the most performance anxiety also had the most number of gut issues. And then, you know, in my hospital job, I was seeing people with, mental health issues, different cancers, kidney issues, all complaining of the gut. And I was just like, God, everyone is screaming at me about the gut. And, you know, what is it about this organ? I feel like it's haunting me. And that was, what was it, like 2010? So there hadn't been a whole lot of gut health research really come to the forefront at that stage. So I thought, you know what, I really owe it to my grandma and, of course, my patients to find out more about, you know, this frustrating organ. So that's when I decided to embark on a PhD, uh, specifically looking at whether we nourish the gut through the right nutrition, whether that can improve the health of not just the gut, but other organs like our heart health, our kidney health, et cetera. And, you know, it was that that completely changed everything for me. It became so clear that actually if we nourish the gut and understood it and cared for it, it could improve, you know, our lives in very real and often surprising ways. And, you know, it was after that PhD, I was like, if I'm really going to help people and have my impact in the world, it's going to be by the gut. So that was all done in Australia. And I thought, you know, how can I take the next step after my PhD? And I looked around the world who was doing the most innovative gut health research, and it was King's College in London. So I begged them for a job and was fortunate enough to get one. So I, I continue actually to work there as a research fellow doing all different types of nutrition based interventions and looking at how they impact not just the gut, but all other organs. So um, yeah, that's how I I came to be in London. I mean, at TSN, which is the sorority nutritionist, I know Megan's new to the TSN community right now. Ladies, we live for a boss. A boss babe is what we like to call it. I know that's kind of a cliche term, but your story is just so epic. And I think so inspirational to so many women out there. But I think you're so on the money, especially in the field of nutrition. Like nobody is talking about poop and gut health. (laughs) Like, I mean, now people are, but it is sort of still this very taboo topic. And especially in my realm, working with clients one-on-one, I truly see that like, that's not the first thing most people kind of talk about, but Mm -hmm. I know gut health is such an important part of your overall health and can tell you so much about it. So what would be some of maybe myths that are very, very common that you encounter, especially in your line of work when it comes to the gut and the microbiome? um, Are there any myths that you're just like totally ready to squash on the show? Yeah, look, I mean, there are so many, and that's essentially why I set up the gut health doctor because I was, you know, in my ivory tower of research, we're looking at about all this amazing stuff the gut had to offer. But, you know, I was seeing, I always continue to see patients, you know, in clinic just to make, you know, sure my research was really relevant. And I was seeing patients come to me on the most craziest restrictive diets because they'd seen on, 
you know, some blog or read on Dr. Google that it was good for their gut. And, you know, right before my eyes, this organ that I'd grown to love and, you know, see so much potential in was like tearing people apart and just being so misrepresented. So, yeah, like I said, that's when I set up the gut health doctor to try, you know, bust a lot of those myths. So I think one of the, the really frustrating ones out there is around restrictive diets. And I think there is this myth out there that you need to cut out loads of food. And I know this is your philosophy too, Lauren, that so many people think cutting out food is the way that they be healthy. But the science just doesn't support that. What the science is saying, actually, we need to focus more about what we're adding into our diets. And a good example is that, you know, some really great research looking at people who've got the best gut health. And they showed that people who had at least 30 different types of plants in their diet had better gut health than those who had only 10 types mm. of plants in their diet. But you know what? It wasn't necessarily being vegan. They didn't, it didn't matter whether you were an omnivore, so you ate plants and animal products, or you're a vegan. What the predictor was the number of different types of plants you were adding in. And that's really where I guess what I draw the philosophy of it's about what you're adding in, not necessarily cutting out, that can really nourish you know, obviously your gut health, but also that's connected to things like your mental health, your heart health, your skin health, etc. Yeah. I mean, that is beyond epic. And that the whole idea of not having to be a vegan, that's something that I actually, I don't think I've really talked about too intensely on the show for you guys out there, but I love this point because there is such a pressure and I felt that pressure like, oh my God, should I be plant-based? I have to be plant-based to healthy. And it's a very, very complex topic. And that's what actually fueled so much of my disordered eating when I was in college before being a dietitian. Cause I was, you know, really fed this cool. idea that being vegan and only eating plants is the healthiest way to live. And that's clean eating. When in reality, you, you can have a variety of foods and it's so much about addition rather than subtraction when it comes to managing your health and your diet. So I love that so much. Um, and that's so cool how it's, you know, the 30 plants versus the 10 plants. And I, I think that's so helpful for listeners too. Like, even if they just add one or two more things, like you don't have to get the 30, like even if you add one or two more, it sounds like there's benefit from that. Absolutely. And when people are thinking about their plans, it's not just fruit and veg, but actually there are five plant-based food groups you got your whole grains your nuts and seeds your fruits your veg and your beans your legumes so the things like chickpeas and lentils so trying to get that diversity in there is actually so simple so it's like instead of just getting your broccoli get your steamed mix of veg instead of just getting your chickpeas get your like four bean mix those little switches there can really have a huge impact on your gut health yeah and now this is just totally out of curiosity and from a researcher standpoint i have to ask you why the benefit from going from just chickpeas to like a three or four bean mix? Like why specifically for the listeners is there benefit? Yeah, absolutely. So each different type of plant contains like hundreds of different types of plant chemicals. And when I say plant chemicals, I'm not talking about things like vitamins and minerals because there's about 23 of them. There's these like literally hundreds and thousands of other types of chemicals that we find in plants, things like polyphenols and things like lycopene and carotenoids, all these other words that maybe you might occasionally start to hear more in the media. It's these types of nutrients that's in all different types of plants. So yes, chickpeas contain great array of different types of plant chemicals. But hey, if you add some kidney beans in there, you get a whole different profile of these plant chemicals. You know, the same with fruit and veg. You know, we know that um, apples contain things like dopamine, which is great for mental health, but also bananas contain things like serotonin. Again, uh, which is a happy hormone. So each different type of variety contains different types of plant chemicals. So if we're just eating a very narrow type, 
we're not getting all those benefits. And actually, if we think more around where the gut bacteria come into play, each different type of bacteria essentially has different taste preferences, kind of like humans. So if you're just feeding the broccoli, sorry, the uh, bacteria or broccoli, then only the broccoli-liking bacteria are really going to thrive. And what we know is each different bacteria has different skills. So if we're really narrowing down our diet, we narrow down our bacteria, which essentially narrows down the skills and the things that they can do for our body, like hormone production and vitamin production. Yeah, that is so epic. And, you know, I'm all about simplicity over here. And I guess what you're saying is, okay, so the the foundation of your diet, right, is calories. We have the macronutrients. We even have the vitamins and minerals. And I I often show that pyramid of priorities to my audience, um, nutrition pyramid of priorities to my audience. But what you're saying too, is now there's like this other layer of nutrition that I think so often we miss the mark online, which is that there is more to food than calories, macros, and even vitamins and minerals. It's the synergistic ability in our gut microbiome with the nutrients that we're feeding it. And that is, you know, this new area of research that can really benefit your health. That's kind of what you're saying. That exactly is what I'm saying. (laughs) And like a really great analogy is things like, you know, a Kit Kat, and a banana have like the same calories. So a lot of people who come to me in clinic and like, you know, calorie counting, they go, obviously I'm going to have a Kit Kat because it tastes so much nicer. And I say, okay, we need to move past the calories because, hey, the, the banana also contains things like the prebiotics and the potassium, you know, all these other things that are good for your kidneys, your heart, et cetera, um, that you're missing out on if you just keep going for, you know, focusing on calories and, and normal processed foods. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I love this so much. Now, for women out there who may think that they have got health problems, right? What are some of the signs and symptoms that you see most often in the populations that you've worked with? regarding gut issues? Like what are some of those signs and symptoms? So people in the audience could be like, Hey, like, is that me? Do I need to improve my gut health? Yeah. Look, how healthy is my gut is literally the most common question I get asked. (laughs) And that's why when I was writing um, my first book, love your gut, I thought, how can I help people get a better idea of where their gut health currently stands? Because there is no, you know, single way to diagnose gut health at the moment. So what I did is looked at all the different areas of research that feed into the cut. And I came up with this 10 question assessment, uh, which gets people thinking about the different areas of gut health and they get to scale their gut health on a scale of zero uh, to 20. And from there, they can then get a better idea of where their gut health currently stands and where they can go on their gut health journey. So some people might be at 15 and be really close. Other people might be more at the five. And the sorts of questions include things like, how often do you get sick? How stressed are you? Are you on medications? Are you on a restrictive diet, et cetera? We can absolutely add uh, that questionnaire to the show notes so your listeners can, can fill out the questionnaire and you know find out where their gut health sits uh, because it's not just about gut symptoms. And I think you know that is another myth out there that people think, oh, look, I don't have any issues with you know pooping or bloating. Therefore, I must have great gut health. Um, and sadly, it's not as simple as that because we are seeing the research come out looking at things like our gut health and our mental health, you know, our gut health and our immune system. There's all of these interlinks. So it's not as simple as, as kind of cancelling out uh, against gut symptoms. Absolutely. Yeah. And you knew exactly what I was going to ask you. I want that show notes piece so everyone can go take a quiz <laughs> and understand where they are at at the gut health spectrum. And I know you talk about the connection between gut health and mental health. Now, so many women listening to this podcast are either actively on a weight loss journey or are on a confidence and just health journey towards feeling their best, their hottest and healthiest self. When it comes to the gut microbiome and weight, can you share with us a little bit about that connection there? 
Yeah, look, we absolutely do see that our microbes have a really important role in things like weight management. And one of the mechanisms for that is when we eat plant-based foods that contain fiber. So fiber essentially is this backbone of all our plant-based foods. And people have probably heard, you know, the media say we don't eat enough fiber and generally we don't eat enough fiber. But the magical thing about fiber is that human cells actually don't have the enzymes to digest it. So humans per se don't have any, you know, use for dietary fiber. The thing about dietary fiber, it's like fertilizer for our good gut bacteria in the lower part of our gut. So fiber from these plants feeds our gut bacteria. And when they feed our gut bacteria, our gut bacteria produce these different chemicals, which they're called short-chain fatty acids, if anyone wants that sort of detail. And they've been shown to help with our appetite regulation of things like the leptin and the ghrelin. So we certainly know that having plenty of dietary fiber from whole plants in our diet really can help with um, appetite regulation. That is literally epic. And when you said so many people say eat fiber, I'm like, oh my God, I'm in that camp because I do talk about fiber a lot. (laughs) But I love that connection too, especially with ghrelin and leptin, which for you ladies out there, ghrelin, I always remember it from grad school and also my undergrad, grr, like you're hungry. That's the hunger hormone, (laughs) um, as we like to say. And then leptin is that fullness hormone. So, you know, we talk so much about the basics of our bodies, but truly our hormones do drive so many of these processes. So it is just wild sitting back thinking, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same. Megan, like your food impacts your hormones. Like that's crazy, you know? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I do, I do see a lot of people who are really struggling with their weight and there is so much science out there that literally identifies adding a few extra plants in your diet can absolutely help with weight management. But I think one of the, one of the things I see a lot of people mistake is that they go, oh, I have to go you know, 100% plant-based and what they rely on is a lot of these ultra-processed vegan foods, which actually, you know, are really not any good, better for them uh, than the, you know, animal version and actually are so processed that in many cases they're metabolized much more, you know, I guess efficiently and therefore make people hungrier faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I have recently actually talked about this whole idea of like, go for the regular ice cream. If you freaking want it, you don't have to have Halo Top and, I, and I'm kind of shitting yeah. on Halo Top, which is more than okay. I'm okay to take that brain. Um, but it is true. I, I totally agree with you. Like there are so many like swaps, which I think can be so helpful, but I yeah. think we've kind of almost gotten away from this idea. Like, what are we eating? What's in our food? Do we actually understand what we're consuming? Exactly. And and the science is highlighting that the more processed foods we have, even if they are vegan, actually that can, you know, damage the gut bacteria, which may actually have that negative impact on, on things like your metabolism. So absolutely trying to go whole foods wherever you can, you know, so the vegan cheese, make your own cashew cheese if, if you want to have the vegan version. Or like you said, yeah, have, have the real deal um, and look at more about mindful eating and, and things like that. Because a lot of these artificial sweeteners, the research is, is still mainly in, um, you know, animal studies. So we're not sure exactly how it's impacting gut bacteria. But what we certainly do know is it can change your taste buds and therefore make you crave sweeter food if you're always having these high dose sweeteners. And therefore, wherever you are faced with it, you know, a birthday party or something around, you know, full sugar foods, a lot of people binge on it because they can't control themselves. So, yeah, it's, it's a whole other world of mindset, isn't it? 
Yeah. And I think the hardest part of your job in particular, especially if you're working with clients, Megan, um, is this idea of balancing and fun, which I know I talk about so much and I truly believe, and I know you believe too, but also not being restricted yet at the same time, trying to incorporate more healthful habits and kind of having that fine line, right? For some clients, they need more flexibility. For some women out there, they actually need more discipline and you know, flexing that discipline muscle of eating the foods that are going to nourish them. So I, I guess I'm wondering your perspective on balancing fun with gut health, because I, I feel like no one's really having that conversation. It's, you know, so there's so many gut health, not you, but you know, other people online that are just so about gut health and it makes you feel like, oh my God, I have to be a vegan. Right. But you're saying you don't have yeah. to be hundred percent plant-based. So how do you find that balance between fun and, and gut health? Yeah. I mean, because it's literally the science is showing that you don't have to be vegan. Um, you know, I think this is one of my pet peeves is that these people who are, you know, shouting about gut health are making people believe that they have to be really restricted. And we know that things like omega-3, which is found in things like oily fish is literally the best source. It's actually really beneficial for our gut. Um, now, I totally understand why people might want to go vegan, 100% plant-based, for cultural, animal cruelty, religious reasons, and totally respect that. But like, as you said, Laurie, in terms of health, the science says that actually including little bits of animal products along the way, although most of your diet being based on plants, actually is more beneficial because you're getting in a lot of these uh, more easily accessible nutrients like the calcium from things like, you know, fermented dairy uh, and B12 and, and those sorts of things that you have to be careful of if you are 100% plant-based. So I think that that is really important in terms of, I guess, people's focus on, you know, having fun, like you said, um, but also looking after your gut. You know, I think another myth out there is the fact that sugar is bad for the gut. So, you know, sugar, so table sugar, sucrose, uh, when we eat that, uh, which is found, you know, things like chocolate, lollies, etc., um, that is actually absorbed very high up our digestive tract. So if you think of our digestive tract, it's nine meters long. So we've got this nine meter long tube coiled up in us. And when we eat things like sugar, it's digested very, very high up that, that digestive tract. And actually, most of our bacteria live at the very bottom of that nine-meter digestive tract. So actually, when we eat things like sugar, it doesn't actually get to the gut bacteria. Uh, so we can bust that myth that having sugar is going to like feed the candida because they're in very different parts of the body. <laughs> However... The reason we why need we to don't... talk about that after. Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> That's opening God. a can of worms. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. The reason why having loads of added sugar is not great for us is because that means we're filling up on that and not getting all those plant-based goodness that our gut bacteria need. So if we have too much sugar, we starve the gut bacteria, not that the sugar is a toxin to the bacteria. And that's a really important differentiation because that means that, yeah, you can have little bits of added sugar in your diet, absolutely, but you need to just think about adding, you know, some extra plants. So an example in my book there is, and I can, Lauren, I'll link it to the show notes in terms of, you know, giving people the recipe because it literally takes five minutes, super easy. Um, but it's called my prebiotic chocolate bark. And what it's done is taken my favorite food, which is white chocolate, which is 100% selfish for my taste buds because I absolutely love it, <laughs> and turned it into a food that actually not just tastes even better, I would say, compared to white chocolate alone, but also treats my gut bacteria. So add in prebiotics, which essentially food for the gut bacteria, which comes from dried mango, pistachios, then added some extra virgin olive oil in there which contains these brilliant polyphenols, another type of plant chemical which feeds our gut bacteria. 
and a little drizzle of dark chocolate again contains these really beneficial types of plant chemicals which are feeding the gut bacteria and that's literally my philosophy with gut health is that you can absolutely have your favorite foods but make sure on every plate or every snack there's some sort of whole plant there where it's also going to treat your gut bacteria so hey have your chinese takeaway but add a side of you know mixed steamed veg in there to feed the gut bacteria have your pizza but add some chickpeas on top like that sort of philosophy is very much what the science is saying to really optimize your gut health literally i'm thinking about myself when i order pizza and i live near the north end in boston um, which is the italian area and it's like okay say you want your pizza how can we add in some veggie to your plate i make a side salad at home that has the protein and everything else and balance it out and you literally just did that with chocolate i'm obsessed (laughs) great minds right (laughs) Great minds think alike, baby. Um, But we need to talk about your products. So the fact that you have a yogurt, we need to like all the details on how you came up with this yogurt. I know you talked about the recipe for the chocolate that I definitely want to link with the recipes um, that you mentioned, but talk to us about developing your own yogurt product that is beyond epic. Yeah, look, I mean, for me, and I'm sure you agree, Laura, we know that as dietitians, education is, is really important. People need to understand what they should be having. But hey, everyone leads super busy lives. You know, making everything from scratch is just not doable uh, for a lot of people. So for me, food industry is definitely how I've always wanted to have, you know, my impact. I mean, that's where I've seen as the way to have the biggest impact. So when I got into this gut health space, you know, just through good old social media, I did have quite a few opportunities. I thought, you know, oh my God, this is how I'm really going to have my impact with, you know, food industry. But it was with the big guys um, who really just, you know, turns out wanted me to brand slap um, as, as sadly a lot of companies do. And I, you know, I thought to myself, I, I just can't look my followers in the eyes who've given me this opportunity and this platform and say, you know, these products are good for the gut when they're literally not. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, spent a couple of years thinking, God, this is really frustrating. Like I, you know, I had the ideas for the products. I just need to translate them. And then I met a guy who was ex-Nestle of 15 years, had all of the business skills that I knew I needed to be able to really launch a business in the food health space. And so I just called him up one day and said, hey, can we go for coffee and chat about, you know, maybe, maybe doing something together? And that was, what, November 2018. And then a year later, we launched BioME. Um, and, yeah, that and things have just been going from strength to strength. And my role in that is literally I get to be 100% in charge of the product development. So I get to design the recipes and be like, sorry, that is not allowed in my product. Take out those additives. Add in this probiotics that's got you know, a hundred clinical trials behind it. So I feel so, so fortunate to be in that position. And, you know, it feels like I'm doing my absolute best to translate the evidence because I still work at King's as a research fellow. So I can literally see the science coming through and the next day, you know, work on a product instead of it, you know, waiting the 20 years in translation, like, you know, most research to, to bench side kind of takes. Yeah. And I mean, as a dietitian myself, like learning more about the food industry and how much the business side of things, you know, I have not been in it. So I'm talking as an outsider, but I mean, even the food and nutrition conference expo over here in the U S is like this really big thing. And I remember I went to it the first year. Cause it was when I was doing my master's at Boston university and it was in Boston and all of these companies owned by like Coca-Cola and like all these like big labels, like Unilever. And I'm just seeing all the products and I don't mean to name drop. And, you know, this is coming from me ladies, but you know, it was just wild to me how much of the food industry was controlled by these companies and 
the products they had with them, just knowing so much about these products and, you know, who was funding all of the stuff um, for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. It was just so wild to me how we were accepting money and, and such from these companies that I just don't think had the interest of health in mind. And it was more about the interest of profits. So for you as a dietitian in this space, as such an expert, having a product like this, the world needs more of this. Like it is so incredible to hear your story. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it just astonishes me how, you know, many brands are like launching these products in the health space and they do not have a dietitian on board. Like literally it's just people with a passion and then they're creating this food and they literally have no idea about food. <laughs> I mean, like good on them for being entrepreneurs and everything. But if you've got a brilliant idea like that, at least get some advice from a, you know, a registered dietitian or a registered nutritionist who's got, you know, those sorts of expertise to check it off. So many of these um, manufacturers that I've been working with, you know, are set in their ways about adding these things in unnecessarily. And I've said to them, look, I can't work with you. I can't, we can't do this, you know, we'll have to take the business elsewhere. And then I've actually convinced them to try different recipes, take out a few of the additives and the product has tasted even better. So it is about, I think, having that knowledge and really I feeling, feeling probably confident enough to push them and be like, sorry, it's, it's this way or we're not doing it together. Yeah. Um, I mean, the words that come to mind are like innovation, authenticity, and like truly standing up for what you believe in. And I think in the food industry, there is definitely not enough of this. And you know, even more than me, um, when it comes to some of like the nutrients you don't want in your products, um, any that you'd feel comfortable sharing on air that, you know, for some women out there, if it's all you obviously with food access and all that you can afford, of course, like that's something that sometimes we have to have, but as we're making some of these transitions and, you know, we're working towards a better gut health, any nutrients or additives in particular that you'd be like, if possible, please stay away from. Yeah, no, this is a really good question. Um, and for me, it kind of comes down to, I, I guess, two key things. So one thing is in terms of it depends what the product is. So if we're talking about like breakfast cereals, for example, so we uh, launched with a granola. And when I was looking at what other products are out there, literally 98% of them had an added sugar in it. And I thought to myself, you know, why are they doing that? Yes, we need to have, you know, granolas need to be a bit sweet. It needs to taste nice for people to have it. Absolutely. But hey, if we're adding a refined sugar in there, you know, we're missing out on all the other, you know, amazing benefits that comes from fruit, which essentially is one of the key sweeteners. Um, so what we've done with our granolas is made sure that, you know, the sugar actually comes from whole dates, which means it also has the fiber of dates. It's got the prebiotics of dates. It's got the polyphenols of dates. So I think for me, it's really about looking at the sources of the, the food. So looking at the nutrients, uh, the ingredient list and not just the nutrition panel, because I think a lot of people just go check sugars, check fats, and they don't think about what the source of that is. So looking, yeah, is the sugar coming from a whole fruit or actually is it like the refined juice or just like added table sugar? I think that's an important one. In terms of like specific things, uh, at King's, we're looking at a clinical trial at the moment, looking at food additive emulsifiers. So they're the, um, the different additives that are the E number of the 400s. And this is based on just pilot studies and, and as well as animal studies suggesting that for a lot of people, more genetically predisposed 
predispose people to have um, things like autoimmune gut conditions. We're thinking, based on the research, that some of these emulsifiers actually may aggravate um, that autoimmune condition. Uh, so, I mean, the research hasn't, you know, we're still recruiting into that study at the moment. So I can't say that we've got the results, yes or no, but where possible and certainly with you know, bio and me, I make sure that we're not adding things like emulsifiers into our into our diets, which actually when we reviewed it, so we've done we've published some papers at King's on emulsifiers, it's in like 30% of processed foods at the moment. So it's highly prevalent in our food supply. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting. I think it's such an exciting time in the gut health space in particular. And I'm definitely going to be following along with that research. I want to know what happens. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> yes. And and when you're when you were speaking as well, I was thinking about especially reading nutrition facts labels and how even especially over here in the States, you know, I've I've had situations with my husband and I actually on our grocery hauls when we're looking at labels. Things will say added sugars because now our labels over here in the U.S. have differentiate regular. Of they do, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they differentiate from the regular to added. And with the added sugars, though, if something is added, but it's a natural source, you know, coming from dates, for instance, in some products that's considered added when really that in my eyes is a misnomer because it, it, it was replacing the maybe more processed sugar that was going to be added in there from a different source. So I think it, uh, your conversation just, you know, sheds a light on the fact that you have to not just look, you know, looking at labels can be helpful, but we have to look at it with a critical eye. We really have to understand once again, knowledge is power. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So we got to talk about where we can find you because you have so many resources and I want to know this quiz and we're definitely going to link it below. Um, so tell us everywhere we can find you girlfriend. So I'm at the gut health doctor on all of the social medias and then website is the guthealthdoctor.com. So yeah, you can access all of my free uh, recipes and quizzes and all that sort of stuff there in terms of books uh, in the U S uh, and Canada, the book is called love your gut in the UK, in Australia, New Zealand, it's called Eat Yourself Healthy. And then I'm just about publishing my second book, which is coming out end of December called Eat More, Live Well, which essentially is all about eating more plants, uh, but not only plants, which is kind of, I think that myth that we hopefully did stamp out here. Yes. We crushed that myth. No more saying it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Megan. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm sure we will touch base again very soon. Absolutely.